This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking Mulan. Our little baby, off to destroy people. Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello! Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies and more weekly... We dig into movies via mostly spoiler-free review, the occasional commentary track, or some other food movie topic. This is episode 418, 418. Hey, we did it! <laughs> yeah, that's what we did. Anniversary show! Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> the, the weekly anniversary of us doing the show? <laughs> exactly. You have to celebrate these small milestone victories. That that's You're right. And when you're right, you're right. <laughs> and this week we're talking Mulan! Finally! Right. <laughs> we're finally talking about Mulan. Right. And uh, joining us to discuss Mulan, we have writer for That's It LA. He's always true to his heart. It's Michael Lee. Hello there. Michael, how are you doing today? Michael, hello. Uh, I'm doing <laughs> it's like, wait, who's talking for me? Um, I'm doing well. How are you guys? Good. I'm doing as well as well can be. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing all right. Sipping on some water. Laid back. Uh, You know, yeah, just relaxing. I don't know the rest of the lyrics. <laughs> your mind on your money and your money on your mind. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> but no, Michael, good to have you back here. Good to good to have you on to talk Mulan. I know you've been excited for this movie, so I'm happy to get you on to, yeah. to get into it. And that's just what we're going to do. Thank you very much. For sure. And that's we're, we're just going to do that in a few minutes. But first, we have show notes. Oh, <laughs> we have some show notes here. Uh, let's see. A uh, new commentary track. Every month we do a commentary track. There are lots of fun to do. And this month we are doing Seven. David Fincher's Seven for the month of September. Celebrating its 25th anniversary. Seven's 25 years old. That's fun to say. Um, so yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. we got all the regular guests on there. It's gonna, We're going to talk all about it. It's going to be fantastic. So stay tuned for that one. And you'll be able to find that on iTunes where all of our episodes of our show are available and you can do you can log on to iTunes. You can subscribe for one thing, because that's just a fun bit to click. You ever hit a hey? Have you ever hit a subscribe button on a podcast? Uh, yeah, I have, just accidentally. And isn't it? But when you did that, you're like, you know, I didn't mean to do that, but it's like this is really cool. And you know what's cool about that? What is that? We're not like the YouTubers that say like, click subscribe and the bell. Uh, it's just subscribe. <laughs> yes, but after you do that, you can also. This is the weirdest way to get here. You can you can also send us a rating and review. That'd be great. You can give us five stars, as Abe likes to say. Uh, yes. Any stars are cool, but five stars are pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I prefer five. And then you could also, if you really want to do this, you could write a review for the show also, and that'd be really really cool. I mean, if you did that, it's like you know you just take over our jobs. Exactly. Yeah. And knowing someone did that, that means that they had their mind on their money and their money on their mind. So I mean. Mm-hmm. That laid just, back it all just it all just tracks um <laughs> so yeah that'd be that'd be great to get those and uh, yeah i think that's it for our show notes let's move on now let's get to let's get to one of our favorite segments here what we would have talked about this week we're gonna mm-hmm. go over the movie that would have come out where things not to have changed dramatically for all of the movie year uh this week we would have had paul ws anderson's monster hunter starring mila jovovich and tony jaw the adaptation huh? of the Capcom video game Monster Hunter. That's right. Wow. This would have been the Labor Day special, guys. Honestly, I, we really we would have just we would have just done the our end of the summer. Yeah, we would have just done our end of our summer gamble. That's what we would have done this week. But right. in terms of movies coming out, we would have talked about Monster Hunter. 
Uh, I have not played Monster Hunter the game. Have any of you guys played Monster Hunter? What what console is it for? I believe it's a multi console. Uh, like, are we talking like old like nineties or are we talking like no, already PS4? Yeah, there's there's recent Monster Hunter. Are you talking games. cartridges or like? Great like <laughs> great way to describe it. Yeah, cartridges or CDs or uh, just di- cloud. It's a fr- now the cloud. It is a franchise. It's been around for a while at this point, but it's been on like PlayStation, all the Playstations, all the Xboxes, and the Wii. Got it. Long story short, okay. no, I have not. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> well, yeah, there, there is, there are. Let's see, Monster Hunter, Monster Hunter Two, Monster Hunter uh-huh. Try. I'm, I'm amused that it's called Monster Hunter Try. Monster uh-huh. Hunter Four, and then the most recent one, Monster Hunter Colon World. Why didn't they call it Monster Hunter Quad? That doesn't make any sense. Probably because they didn't want you to think it was a racing game. <laughs> yeah, or they didn't want you to think that it was like a workout video. I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> be pretty. Be pretty. That's like Mario teaches typing Monster Hunter Quad, where you have to like work out your quads, or else a monster First of all, up to you. There's only one you person who teaches typing, and then you just like do squats and everything. Yeah. 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 There's only one person who can teach you typing, and that's Mavis Beacon. Mario taught me typing, Abe, Mm-mm. and I type really fast now. So Mavis Beacon is the best. We're gonna fight about this later. Sure, but I'm gonna just be all hoo hoo, ha ha, ha ha ha, and it's gonna be the best. It's pretty good, Mario. I do my Mario pretty well. Somewhere, I, somewhere down the line, like in this episode, drop a Luigi. I, a Luigi, I can only do if he's like suffering in some way, where it's like. <laughs> Doesn't he say like uh, I don't know what he says. Anyway, I think if he gets burned, he goes. Ah, wah, 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 wah. He's got lame lines then, because he's Luigi. Oh, but he got his own ghost second, mansion game. Second best, come on. Second best. <laughs> First loser. <laughs> yeah, we we all we all know the order here. It's Mario, Luigi, Wario, Waluigi, Toad. I mean, that's just that's how it goes. Is this in general, or is this for Mario Kart? That's just life knowledge for you, Abe. That's what I'm mm, saying. Okay. Like, yeah. This is a good. This is a good. Li- I'm writing. Hold on. Let me write this down with my pencil. Just paper. to let you know, Abe, like Waluigi's not even in the Smash Brothers game. He's just like some sort of supporting He's not, character. right? That's that's it, weird. Which no, is crazy. Not. Like like yeah. like Mr. Game and Watch. One of my favorite characters is in the Smash Brothers games, and Waluigi's like, I just play the tennis. Like that's what he does. <laughs> That's how he talks to. He's just really yeah. He, he's very he's very normal sounding. Remember when we were going to talk about Mulan on this podcast and we got caught nope. up and talking about Waluigi? <laughs> we just talk about Waluigi. No, we're talking about video games now yeah. only. This is welcome to Internet Abe's video games. Yeah. All right, getting back to it, Monster Hunter. <laughs> that was supposed to be the movie. Uh-huh. It's a new Paul W. S. Anderson video game film starring his wife and Tony Jaa. Uh, just saying the idea of Paul W.S. Anderson making another video game movie starring Jovovich and Tony Jaa, does that excite you in any way? You know, not completely, but at the same time, uh, the action sequences with Tony Jaa and and probably Mila Jovovich Jovovich, uh, probably would have been interesting enough, and there probably would have been... It it would have been light popcorn fanfare, I'm sure, and I actually probably would have ended up liking it. So, I would have been on board. Michael? I have to say the same thing with Abe. Honestly, just when was the last time we saw a Paul W.S. Anderson and Mila Jovovich movie? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's, it's just those, that that pairing itself. I know they were husband and wife and everything, but still, it's just you know popcorn fun, and you don't get you don't expect anything really deep. So yeah, fair yeah. enough. 
four four years ago would be the answer. The last was that when the last Resident Re- Evil Resident came Evil out? colon yeah. Friday the Thirteenth colon <laughs> by the final chapter. Mm, is that okay. what they're known for only? Is that this that those two together is just? I mean, well, they've, made four, they've made Have four. They've made four. They've made four Resident Evil movies together, and he and he did make the Steampunk Three Musketeers, which I think is pretty great that she's in also. Uh, oh, okay. So wait a minute, when was that? 2011. How do I not have memory of this? Uh, that... It it came out September, so it came out the first year of our podcast. So I pro- I might have brought it up in like quickies or something like that. Jim, thank you. No, that that one. It's like this steampunky version of Three Musketeers, and he had he was all Who's in, on in the... it. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you who's in it because there's a lot of people. Yeah. He but it was he was all in on the 3D also. Uh, oh, I'm looking it up now. But it has so as D'Artagnan you had Logan Lerman. Of course. As the Three Musketeers you had Matthew McFadden who's now playing the most dweebish character on Succession, which I really enjoy, along with uh-huh. Ray Stevenson as Porthos, as and um, Luke Evans as um, Aramis. So yeah, those are the three that's, musketeers. That's a solid cast. That's a solid cast. That's a, that's just the three musketeers. It keeps yeah. going. Mads Mikkelsen. <laughs> Mads Mikkelsen is the villain. He's he's Rochefort. That's a great villain. Uh, James Corden's in it for some reason. Nope. Uh, pass. Uh, Juno Temple. Uh, uh, here the here the here are the big names though. Orlando Bloom as like the as the Duke of Buckingham. This like random other villain who I don't even think is like featured in the rhythm in the main story. Three musketeers uh-huh. all that much. And lastly, Christoph Waltz as the as what? the main villain. <laughs> wow, I mean Three that's villains. a strong cast. And and I forgot, yeah, and Mil- Mil- Jovovich also as, as one of the other. Good good call there. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, you know, when we make our Three Musketeers movies, um, movies plural, uh, I'll be sure to include some of these members mm-hmm. of the cast in a write up that said that uh, we we couldn't get them. I've I've long said that I. I like I generally like Paul W. C. Anderson not doing Resident Evil movies. Like the other ones I enjoy like I still say Mortal Kombat is the best video game movie. Like that's that's what I, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna get to this you know, to argue again. And I just watched it yeah. not too long ago because I'm watching a lot of things in quarantine and um, uh-huh. still is. Like I'm there's no like there's no winking when I say this. I do think Mortal Kombat stands out as like at the top of the pack. Right. Maybe like Detective Pikachu nowadays like that's come closest if not surpassing but i mean if you're making a movie about mortal Kombat, you did you did the job like that's that's what it is yeah not a terrible movie plus you did alien versus predator alien versus predator i i find it's it's a lot it's leagues better than the, the second alien versus predator i was like better than the requiem for a dream predator um yeah that's that's it, the one where the predator has a heroin addiction yeah he's got a problem <laughs> don't watch it alone and don't watch it without uh feeling yeah. bad there's that a, when there's that predator that's in the bathtub just crying because doing too many drugs, that that really killed me. And, and Luxaturn is playing on the soundtrack. Um, <laughs> Death Race, I enjoy, and Event Horizon is his best movie. So I mean, like I, I like the non-video game, the non-Resident Evil part of it. I know plenty of people disagree. Plenty of people love the Resident Evil movies. I mean, they're wrong, but still, they love them. I don't, you know. I haven't seen a lick of one. Have you guys all seen all of them? I gave I've seen I, the first one. I oh saw God. four of them, and I gave up after that fourth one. <laughs> I mean, Michael and I are in the right boat here, I guess, then. Mm-hmm. So, unless you recommended us to watch them. 
No, no. I like you, no. you could. I mean, if, if you, Michael, you've seen the first one. You didn't go on, so I've seen the first one, and then I'm like, yeah, I'm, go- I'm gonna cut off right here. <laughs> but it, but it, but it has its fans. You know, all, all power to them. They got six movies, so you know they, they want, they got it. You know, they got... yeah. And they brought some of the cast back. They, yeah, they have, yeah. It's a very yeah. So... I, I imagine they're fun to make. Right. I, I won't, I won't put that past them. Yeah. But yeah, so Monster Hunter, sure. I, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. It had some neat posters. That's all we got. We didn't get a trailer or anything because it got delayed. It's coming out, I believe... When is it coming out now? Now it's coming out April, next April, 2021. So I think we've talked like 20 minutes on Monster Hunter and Tangents. Yeah. No, that's, yeah. That's... yeah. Walu- Thank you, Waluigi. We... <laughs> <laughs> I play the tennis. Uh, that's, you know, that's just... <laughs> it's all it's all good cook way to, way to cook it up. Before we get okay. to the, the main course here, which is going to be right now our review for Move On. Every family must contribute one man to fight. You're a war hero. You've already made many great sacrifices. My father cannot fight, so I will take his place. The northern invaders will kill her. If I expose her, our own people will kill her. When we take the Imperial City, I will take revenge. For my father. What is your name, soldier? Hua Jun, Commander. Son of Hua Zhou. You will now take the oath of the warrior. Loyal. Brave. Okay, that should have been some of the trailer for Mulan. On March 9th, 2020, Mulan had its world premiere in Hollywood, in anticipation of its March 27th release. A week later, all theaters were closed. It's been an odd summer, as we've seen a lot of movies get delayed all over the place. One of the biggest questions remained, when would Mulan be released? Would it be in the late summer? Would it be in the fall? Would it be next year or on VOD? Well, Disney decided to have it both ways. Soon enough, Mulan can be seen internationally in theaters everywhere. Meanwhile, American audiences can watch the film from the safety of their own homes for a premium price through Disney+. I say all this because we know the story of Mulan already, so I don't need to recap that too much. But Michael, did you like what director Nikki Caro did with this live-action remake? Uh, I am of two minds of this. Um, while I watched it, I was one, one of the fortunate ones to see it. In the theater, albeit it was a smaller theater, not as, you know, doesn't have that Dolby feel that it has, um, in the premiere. Mm-hmm. But, uh, this is definitely a theatrical film. Um, I love how it just took away the whole cartoony aspect, which kind of, uh, denigrated, like, the culture, the Chinese culture. Um, but in, a, yeah, and then with that, it's, it's, replaced it with this wuxia uh, aspect to it that i really like and it's something obviously we've never seen in a live one of these live action disney films before mm-hmm. and it just elevated the story um the themes of you know made it more contemporary of female empowerment although i'm not one to really speak on that kind of matters but um i really kind of get a sense of what it was trying to say um and who it was for um Cinematography was great, visually striking, and you get to see all the snow-capped battles. And it also paid homage to um, 
to its animated predecessor. You could hear it through, you know, the scripts and, you know, the score as well. So there are a couple of those lyrics. You're just like, oh, that's, uh, you know, make a man out of you or that's just like bring honor to us all and obviously reflection. But um, the things that I had problems with it are largely uh, what Yifei uh, Lu had to say about, you know, the whole uh, Hong Kong independence. And um, while this is a largely female-backed um, creative-wise behind-the-camera thing, there's a, a large, also a large lack of representation behind the camera as well. So I find those are the things I find troubling, but at the same time, I liked it. So it's, it's, I'm just feeling, while I, I, like I said, I liked it, I feel conflicted about the other problematic things about this movie. Yeah. You bring up some interesting points, and I think we can get to those kind of later on because I do think that sure. that's, that's worth discussing for sure. And what the hell else are we going to do today, guys? I mean, but, um, yeah. but, <laughs> it's but, Sunday, and it's 110 degrees here. So exactly. Yeah, talk about wow. Uh, yeah, it's, it's quite hot. Stay indoors. Exactly. Yeah. But regardless, we, I, I, I mean it, though. I do want to get back to that because that, that's an interesting topic to get into. But for the time being, as far as the movie goes, Abe, I know you've been looking forward to Mulan. What did you actually think of the movie? Yeah, I was uh, I, I've told Aaron this before. Whenever I watched the trailers, I was like, "Wow, this trailer is really well done." Like the way that they they put in the the updated version of the song um, is it it has like a different keynote to it, or it's basically like a keynote to it uh, from the original. So it sounds like maybe more dramatic. Um, but uh, when I watched this movie, first of all, I do want to give a shout out to Disney Plus because the way that they had done the premiere access is uh, I find in- interesting um, in terms of paying $30, but it's not just like a one-time watch or 24 or 48-hour watch. It's uh, You can just continue watching it. Um, so that's good uh, because otherwise uh, you would definitely see like a Trolls World 2 situation where you're paying $30 maybe every weekend uh, for your kids. But with all that being said, the movie itself is um, – I I would say that I found it aggressively okay. And what I mean by that is like stuff that Michael had mentioned too. Visually it looks great, but also the visuals don't really help it all that much. Like it's wonderful to see all these wide shot landscapes and how you've boosted the color contrast and maybe even just found these scouting locations that are naturally this way. But at a certain point, I just thought to, to myself... Just to throw in real quick, it's a mix of New Zealand and some China, but a lot of New Zealand where they shot yeah. the film. Yeah, because uh, those mountain ranges definitely looked like they had hobbits on them. Um, but there was a lot of shots where I was like, this is this just... It's a drone shot, but it reminds me of like the moving Apple wallpapers. Like whenever you go into screensaver mode, um, like on an uh, Apple TV Plus or an Apple TV. And I was <laughs> like, you know, it, it's, it's great that you're doing this, but what purpose is this serving? And then I think when you get down to business, uh, that's not – I just thought about that right now because Aaron said it before. But, um, Don't when blame you get, me for your puns. <laughs> <laughs> when, when you get down to it, I think that actually the writing is very poor. I think there's like – there's four writers on here, all of them non-Asian. So this goes to Michael's point about like behind the camera, um, there's not – there's lack of representation. Um, they're all non-Asian, and I think the reason why that matters is because – it just felt like there was like no Chinese culture in this. Um, just like, hey, let's just have the, these Asian American actors and also Chinese and Hong Kong actors uh, in this movie. But it just didn't feel, it didn't feel um, 
to be honest, like it didn't really feel Asian enough sometimes. And so that that was weird for me to, to feel. Um, and I think the other thing about it is that Nikki Caro, I'm I, I would say that she's not great at action directing, but also from her body. Yeah, of work, for sure. Yeah. Like her body of work. I, I love Well Rider. You know, I love the way that she tells stories of people. But I would say that the the writing doesn't allow her to tell the full story of this Mulan character because I also think there's too many characters in this movie that they need to focus on in order to like you know complete this cartoon to live action uh, transition. And because you have all these characters that do have lines and screen time and whatever the case is, um, I think it actually takes away from the impact of this hero story of the Rise Fall Redemption. Because at a certain point, I don't even like. I felt that, like it transitioned so quickly from Mulan deciding that she's gonna become, she's just gonna name herself as Mulan, you know, and and just go through with the rest of the movie with Mulan. Uh, so overall, I, like it's visually a great looking movie. I think I have problems with the writing. I have problems with some of the characters. Um, and honestly, I I think that there was like this ending part where I was expecting more of an equal stance rather than a love stance um, because of the nature of what I was seeing on the screen. Uh, and then I was like, I don't know how I feel about this. Like, it's fine, but also just given that she just was a badass for the rest of the movie and had led the Emperor's army, I don't know if I feel okay with this particular sort of gesture that's that's happening right now at the end here. But again, like, uh, so I... Aaron, if you ask me like how I felt from the trailer to the movie, I would say that honestly I was disappointed. Uh, it wasn't exactly the movie that I was looking that I was thinking I was gonna see. But you know, watching the movie, you're just like, yeah, it's fine. Like it's that it, you can see where the money is being spent, but it's fine. Outside of other elements, I um, that we'll get to. I I think overall, I. Maybe maybe just because I have a certain level of expectation for these Disney remakes at this point, but I liked it quite a bit. Uh, I'm not going to say it's the best of them, um, I, but I do think it's fairly high in comparison to what we've been given over recent years. And I feel like it hits a, like a I hit I think this movie I think Mulan hits the level that these remakes should be striving for. Honestly, I, I sure sure I, I think it it yeah, does it's definitely it, not a carbon copy. That's for sure. It's not a shot for shot remake. What and that's not necessarily a bad thing if you can pull that off, but I haven't seen them be able to pull it off given The Lion King and Beauty and the Beast. I just see like lesser versions of movies that feel longer and are longer. Um, mm-hmm. But regardless, like the, I thought the movie worked well for what it was doing as far as taking the story, remixing what we know about the animated version to make this live action take, and delivering on, delivering on something that kind of it hit me in the right place as far as how to tell this story about this character's journey. Mm-hmm. Um, I have like some story issues perhaps as far as what it's trying to do, but in a, in a general sense, like I, I appreciated how it tried to go about things. I do wish, sure. like you said, Abe, that it, I feel like, like the, I know like the Disney worked with like China specifically to make it, <sighs> Like, I don't know what, but it seems like they don't want to offend anybody, which is that's a pretty Disney thing to say right there. And, totally. Exactly. And, and the problem is it neuters the film from being especially a film that's given a PG-13 rating. It stops it short from being anything that's kind of more 
out there, which it really could be, given given the fact that you have like wuxia elements, you have Gong Li as a shape shifting witch, you have these things where like the movie clearly can go crazy, and it just kind of refuses to. And I find that unfortunate. It could have gone like full uh, Zhang Yimao, like it could have done something like wild like that, yeah. but it sure. doesn't. It holds itself back. I do like. I do think the action is fun in this movie. I, I don't I don't think it's like the best action, but I do think for a Disney movie that wants to have quote unquote epic Chinese ancient China action, I sure. do think there there's some moves there that she does. There's some camera stuff that she does. It's over edited to hell. I agree with that. Oh yeah. But Jeez. but there are like when like Jason Scott Lee approaches the big wall and the camera yeah. tilts when he's running up the wall. Yeah, that's I'm a like, great shot. Okay, cool. Like let's see more of that. And I do wish the movie had more of that kind of stuff. I don't think it's completely exactly. lacking in that area, but I do think it's like, okay, like there's, there's some moves that they wanted to do here. And I don't know what the process was as far as determining how much of that was, you know, good or what have you, but I appreciate that the attempt was trying to be made at the same time. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, <laughs> it comes up short in some areas, which is a shame. Like, I do think that like there's a great cast here, but I don't think anyone outside of a, well, Gong Li by default, just because she has the most interesting character in this movie, I think. No one really stands out as far as doing much to, and Jason Scott Lee. Jason, Scott, but he doesn't. He's not in it yeah. that much. But yeah, I was like, gonna say. I was gonna say Jason Scott Lee is probably like the most overacting in this movie, which but is it's called for. It's called for, and that's what makes it actually a fun character to watch. Exactly, and I mean. <laughs> Now, now that I say it, this, I'm thinking all these good performances. Sima, like he's he's crushing his Dude. Chinese, his disappointed Chinese dad, like that. He's that seems yeah. to be his thing. <laughs> I think, no, like, I, mean, I think, I think even his a great summer. I think even way. his even his Twitter bio is says like I play Chinese dads for all in American movies or something like that. Like it's really funny, <laughs> but but like no, he he does the job here. Like, but again, like these are just like minor roles. Like these main roles, like like Liu Yifei who plays Mulan. It feels like there's the opportunity for her to like be better or be like more involved on an emotional level but once mm-hmm. she gets to like the training once she gets once she you know steals the armor and all that there's not much of a character there beyond i know i can do this and i'll eventually do it beforehand like yeah. there's there's some few jokes there's some visual humor when she like has to deal with the uh, the matchmaker thing like there's some stuff there that gives the character some life but after that it's pretty straightforward uh there's some comic relief parts that are just kind of whatever um donnie yen's in this movie not doing much at all which is like not why, enough donnie yen why get donnie yen if you're not gonna let him cut loose jet lee's mustache is fun but i mean he's dubbed right like like every time he talks he's, he's like be. he's got to be dubbed <laughs> yeah it's either he's he's it's either that they just had him like say it and then he, they dubbed himself kind of thing mm-hmm. later in a slower more more controlled pace yeah. or he's just fully dubbed because it, it just like something about it, it's like i know what jet lee sounds like <laughs> exactly yeah so Go it's just like, the four so it's just a lot of these things where like there's so much here that i do like and enjoy and i do think that i think the overall like story arc of the character it works for me in a way where it's like this thing got accomplished and people like there's acknowledgement for it and i was happy about that i like sure. that progression and i like the tweaks in the story as far as where she ends up um sure but but like yeah making it this kind of i I, it feels like i'm asking a lot from disney but to make this kind of wuxia chinese epic that's also a live action remake of a very popular animated cartoon 
I feel like, yeah, I could probably only expect to get so much, but it feels like there's so much potential there. It's so I can't like grade the film thinking like, well, it tried like, yeah, okay. But like it could have done more. So it's like, I still yeah. like the movie. I think it's worthwhile. I think it's, I think there's, yes, there, we can talk about the behind the scenes stuff, but in terms of seeing a large Asian cast represented on screen in a Mulan live action movie, like there's a lot to admire in that to some degree, but I mean, yeah, it still works as like an average movie overall, but I right. still I like it more than a number of the other ones we've been seeing over the years. Yeah, I hear you on that front. I mean, for the most part, yeah. there's like uh, I think everybody here would agree that there's Asian representation on the screen. Right. And I think the thing that I was mentioning about doesn't feel Asian enough is sort of what you were talking about, too. Like if it's state sponsored by China, uh, you know, you and I, I think you and I enjoy Wolf Warrior um, Wolf one and two. Exactly. Uh, and I don't, I don't know if you've seen it, Michael, but that's like super aggressively like pro China. China. Yeah. Yeah. Pro but China. it's just yeah. it's the same way that, you know, we've made American movies uh, in the past where like the American guy is the one that, that kills everybody in the end. It's like a Steven Seagal type movie where he's just going to kill everybody. And then he gets the girl at the end, too, back in like the 90s and early 80s or late 80s. But what I was meaning by that or my, my comment of like doesn't feel Asian enough is like there's just yes, I see elements of you know uh donnie yen doing um yeah martial arts i was gonna say is it wushu or is it like um it's also it's also um what does he what does Ip man do anyway whatever martial art that he's doing it looks great and they also have elements of it within mulan when she's practicing and they have like the dichotomy of wing wing, sorry wing chun or wing chun yes thank you yeah um yeah so you know it's great that they're able to show all these elements but like what Aaron was also saying, there's just not enough of it. And I think, honestly, it just everything feels a little too flat, a little too safe. Um, and that's also what Aaron was mentioning. So I, I I like the representation. I mean, there's even like a Hmong guy in there that I've seen before. He was in Gran Torino. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. But, I yeah. mean, it's, it's great that there's all these Asians, uh, Asian-Americans, Chinese-Americans, Chinese people, Hong Kong uh, people, um in this movie and Korean people uh, in this movie, but there's just not a whole lot for them to do. And they're not really expressing anything that I thought was, it didn't feel inherently or innately Asian to some degree. The story is Asian, but like, for example, like after this movie, I was like, you know, I've got to go watch the grandmaster like on, on Netflix, because that's also a story of like a father daughter situation with martial Mm -hmm. arts, with this hint of like, them using Mandarin and Cantonese um, in the movie. And so I was like, I, I kind of need to wash away some like this, this Mulan burn that I've got. Um, so I think part of it comes yeah. down to like, it it's, it wants to be, despite the mention of witches, like it, it wants to be grounded in a kind of reality. And by doing that, it means we need to kind of get rid of a lot of the comedy that's in the, the animated film. And, and that's what I like too. Yeah, and it, and it's like that's not necessarily a bad choice, but like you're saying, it robs it of personality because you you have some minor characters that you mainly just know, so you can identify them in a fight, so you can follow like the same four people. But at the same time, despite like some clunky jokes here and there, it doesn't allow them to form anything as far as being that memorable like i is yeah. anyone gonna be like oh man cricket yeah. was hilarious in mulan like i don't like, he's what? the only guy that i remember because i don't remember any because his name's thing. cricket like does exactly. he remember anything he does beyond yeah, like the actual cricket from the last movie so yeah, yeah. but so 
Yeah, I was going to say, Michael, what did you you were going to mention something about um, the the sorcerer supreme in this movie? The the story, the, the thing is um, with that is how she functions in this movie, which is weird because we we learn that she is exclusively for warriors, right? Which is, I guess is in a way of telling it's male uh, inherited. Oh, and interesting. She, and then I, I guess that's a, their subtle way of telling me that. That's where I, I take it at least. But we see that Mulan has this chi, and and it, it's okay. I get that. But with the with um, the witch, the reflective foil, I guess per se, because you know reflection and all. But um, she has this chi too. But somehow she was disowned, and she the chi became like witch-like power, sorceress powers. So I don't understand how that doesn't function within um, Mulan as well. Like, how does this chi actually work in this world? Um, that that's, that's never, you know, fully fleshed out. And re- in regard to what you were saying about the film not being fully, uh, not being authentically Chinese, I think that has a lot to do with the fact that, again, with the representation, there are four white writers right. writing for this Chinese story. It's like, why is that? And I, I, because when I look back at um, the animated one, there was at least one, I know it's one, but it, it, at least there was one Chinese writer on that film. And here that's just like, I don't want to say, I guess it is saying erased because like, where's our representation in that? So, yeah. Sure. Yeah. And I, I hear that too. And I'd love to hear like Aaron's take on this, but to go back to the, the source source part, I'm, I'm super curious about this part because I felt that there were, I felt that there was probably a lack of humor in this movie and they probably could have done with something that was supernatural or, you know, had Mushu in the cartoon voiced by Eddie Murphy, which is great. Um, I, I guess because in this one, I understand that everything's a little bit more serious. It's a little more grounded, but I have a sorceress here who can transform and she can become multiple bats and she can, she can turn into like a hawk and she's got all this magical powers. To be fair, those are serious transformations though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, but why do I not have like a talking Phoenix instead? Or like, you know, a, a, a talking spirit of a dragon just floating in the clouds. I, I don't, to play off that for a second, like, I get what you're saying. You gonna... I do think, regardless of, like, the film overall, I do think the way they handle the magic realism in this movie, I think, works. I'm not I'm not upset by the fact that there's not a wise-cracking dragon in the middle of this live-action <laughs> movie. Yeah, don't get I, me wrong, I'm not, I'm not mad at it. I know, it's just, like, that specifically didn't bother me. It's like, when they announced that they're going to make a live-action Mulan... I more or less expected there not to be a Mushu in this movie. <laughs> like, this just didn't, right. I didn't really think, man, I, I hope they recast Mushu with someone, you know, crazy, just like Eddie Murphy. It's like, no, I figure they're probably to steer away from that. Because I do think they're trying to, I mean, with themes, when you have themes about family and loyalty and honor and what have you, it'd be a little weird to be like, you did it, Mulan, at the end of the movie for some reason. Like, it's like, <laughs> I, 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 that would have added to the excitement of it. It would. You're not, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, a, a, a different director, a different idea for this movie and a way to bring it out. I, I have no doubt. I, I have no doubt that it could happen in some capacity. But as far as the movie I got, that's not an element. The uh, handling those elements didn't bother me so much. I to speak to 
the rules involving chi and what have you for this movie i mean I, at two hours the movie's long enough but it does feel like more or less that you could make an argument that it's just like a nature nurture type of thing as far as how gong lee's character was raised versus mulan being raised and how they harness their powers and with that said as i mentioned yeah, I, I do think gong lee's character i do think gong lee's character is the best character in this movie <laughs> like I, I think that the the kind of the arc that she has is the most interesting um the kind of seeing the potential in somebody else and having at that as far as am i fighting this person or am i telling them what the right choices right. could be made like i i find that stuff to be interesting it yeah, it also conflict is greater you know and it also adds to mulan's character as far as her realizing something inside of her now with that said i'm curious what you guys think in this movie we've already mentioned chi like chi is a big you know that's a source for mulan that's that's where she's kind of deriving power from it. She's had it from a young age and a very clunky opening sequence that I didn't like at all. hundred percent um, agree. <laughs> um, as opposed to the animated version where, and I, by the way, I'm aware there was like seven movies about Mulan, but I mean, yeah. this, is, this is a remake one, of the animated one version. So, in so, China for sure. Yeah. yeah. But, so, but in the original, in the animated version of the film, she, she becomes better because she trains with everybody else and everybody's good. She's the best because she's, you know, the star of the movie. But like the whole idea is that once she goes, once she gets down to business and they start yeah. trying to defeat the Huns, the, the process of that training montage is she's learning how to be a great warrior along with everybody else where this movie's like, she's already a great warrior. She just has to tap into that energy. Do, do you guys, did you guys like that change? Do you think that worked for this version of the character? Well, no. And I, I would say uh, the reason why the montage doesn't work either is because it's not a montage in this movie. I'm just talking about the training part. So I actually don't even see this progression of their training of her. Like, aside from the water bucket carrying to the tower type situation, that's like the most continuous training thing, right? And maybe like the arrow shooting, but it there's, just there's, there's wasn't... a montage in this movie. I'm not going to say it's the best montage because yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Rocky but, exists, but, but I mean, there's a montage in this movie. <laughs> Right. But to your point about like whether uh, you see her just become aggressively better um, because of the training. No, I never I never really got that feeling because like what you're saying, it's already been established that, oh, she's really good at she's inherently good. She's holding back. That's her big thing. She's holding back her martial arts abilities. Right. Because in the beginning, I was like, does she have magic powers? That's how clunky the beginning, the opening, uh, cold opening was. I was like, I don't know if she has magic powers or if she's just super gifted. She has a great wire work team. That's what she has. Great wire. I mean, you, you ping uh, from the matrix is on this. This is great. No, he wasn't. But, um, in any case, I, I don't think that there was like an, um, a clean enough, look and so i think that adds actually to the stakes of just saying like well i guess i'm going to follow this person who is already good instead of follow this nobody who became good to your point michael do you have any thoughts on Buffon's well yeah I, that, that's, when when i was first looking at it um that first opening scene and they were talking about the chi i wasn't i it just was lost on me because like why why can't you just tell her that she was just naturally talented in in this and you know this is all reserved for boys um, sort of thing no they had to add a magic element which kind of takes away from from her own talents and um i i I wanted to see something more along the lines of what you guys were saying in in the in the animated version where she was she was you know going against gender norms so to so to say but 
mm-hmm. as it kind of takes away from all of that and kind of takes away from the message of you know female empowerment at least from my my perspective yeah and i think they try to get back to that when she's had when she has the fight with with uh gong lee um over at like the um i forget what it's called the misty swamps yeah, the Missy songs, but the, I think there's like another name for them because <laughs> no, that's the, that's what it is. That's, yeah, there's like it's like a it's like yeah. a, a sulfur a sulfur uh thing, whatever the, the sulfur patch. It's the the studio that they filmed that in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But I think that they they try to get back to that whole entire hey, you know what? Um, it's not about she, it's not about whatever, it's about you. And because when you're true to yourself in general, you're the, your greatest uh, self, right? Or or as so, 98 degrees once said, true to your heart. Exactly. Um, and uh, I forget the rest of the lyrics, but in any case, uh, there was just not enough of that because Aaron, I definitely agree with you that Gung Lee is a very interesting character. She also has some of the best fight scenes in this movie. Yeah, uh, I mean, she's shapeshifting and has claws and stuff. It's like, yeah, yeah and, <laughs> right. But the way that they the way that they are, are able to like use her, she and Jet Li have like really cool curtain type fights in this movie which does harken back to like a Hong Kong movie, yeah. like yeah. Um, all the ones that we've seen before. Um, but they're just, I think this is another element I'm kind of deviating, but the other element of that is like what Aaron mentioned way earlier, they overuse the same shots. And so it's not really fresh when you see it. It's like, cool. I already saw this camera move. They have a camera move with Jason Scott Lee and then they have a camera move during the scaffold fight. And I was like, I've already seen this though. And it's not really adding anything to the fight per se. It's the second best scaffold fight outside of mortal Kombat with uh, scorpion and uh, Johnny, Johnny cage. So um, I mean, I've seen some cool scaffolding fights in my day, but yeah, I mean, it's a good one. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's got some stuff going on. <laughs> right. But um, um, to just end up on the Gung Lee thing, I, she's got, there is this mystic slash, like I'll be your, your mirror i think michael you said it like i'll be your mirror in terms of well this is the pathway that you could go down but you know what you're right this restful redemption you're right about the redemption part so i'm gonna try and do my best to uh correct course because there is this whole entire aspect of like who is the master who is the slave in her relationship with jason scott lee and she she kind of breaks out of that but it's not really I, i if you're gonna go with something go with it instead of having again i think this goes with the four writers thing if you're going to have this story element to it, you should stick with it. And like, if you're going to spread out ideas, that's going to be a detriment to the movie. Well, part of the problem, I think, is once again, the animated films are like, you know, 80 minutes. These movies are two hours. And somehow fleshing out these ideas makes them harder to go along with because you're not giving them any time. If you want to like mm-hmm. add all these elements on top of things you're going to realize why the efficiency of an animated film works so well. It's because you don't have to get into this stuff. So then you don't have to question these things. Everything sure. that you need to know, you get to know in the, in those shorter versions where this one, it's yeah. like, well, now you're introducing more stuff. That means you have to justify more stuff and you don't have time to do that. Cause you want to fit this two hour time limit. Still, if this is a two and a half hour Mulan movie, I'd be curious what that looks like, but I'm sure we'd have maybe some answers, but I don't think that's, you know, necessarily a movie I want to see either. <laughs> so it's yeah. like, and on the flip it's a weird side of give that, and take. Yeah. On the flip side of that, make a shorter movie then. Because yeah. I could have done without the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Um, to back to it real quick to the Mulan thing, as far as inherent, sure. as far as empowerment goes, like Michael, I could definitely, I could, I definitely see that side of it. I do think there's, you can take it both ways. I think, I think the idea of having power inherently 
magical or otherwise just having you know a power and and be and finding a way to as we said be true to yourself like there that's yeah. a you know that's that's a good message as well as far as don't hold back from who you are or let yourself be who you are right right like that's 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 like that's a that's positive messaging as well but yeah i do think there's an, an effective it's an effectiveness in seeing someone you know train from the ground up and become better like that's the that also works and yeah that's more that's probably more compelling to watch on screen because the version, yeah. we, the version we have here is we all know this thing and it's just a matter of time till she tells everyone else and that's you know that can be boring like to to, right. to, to be and, in and on the secret ahead of time yeah and i think that's where that's it gets point. down yeah and i think that's where it gets down to um if you saw in the opening montage or i'm sorry in the opening sequences her training with her dad who is then revealed to be like a really great warrior who fought alongside Donnie Yen that'd be different that actually hits me differently than what we do see which is just i was born and i'm really good at riding horses and climbing roofs and also really good at fighting for no real reason other than I was born with extra chi. And that to me is it's a story device just to like get this the story going. But if you had done it that way where, you know, her father was the one that sort of like influenced some of this and he felt as though he was making her not be the right type of type of daughter situation, then that makes the ending ultimately more powerful too, because he finally says at the end there, like oh, I should have seen it from the beginning that you were a warrior, not not just a daughter type thing. And he actually has yeah. a weak ending. He's got a great character. Like, Ziba is a great character actor. And like we were saying, Aaron, he's a great stern dad. Um, because at <laughs> one point, he's like, I, he said something that, that made, me, made me even sad, where he was just like, because you've done this, you've brought a, like, you can't even like sleep for like 12 hours or whatever. And you've brought a great service, a disservice to your family. I was like, I, I felt that one. I'll find, I'll find out and I'll, I'll text it to you guys. But that's why, you know, again, in relation to the grandmaster, the grandmaster is very interesting. It's a long movie. It's not, it's, it's kind of clunky at times. Um, it's almost like, um, it's, it's almost historical in its way that, that, um, one car, Wai shot it. Um, but there, he's there. You see at the end there where he, the, the master is training. His daughter sees him. So he's like, you know what? I've got to train her because she wants to learn. And then it's like become this great father-daughter story, right? And so to Mulan's uh, extent, I do feel bad that it was mishandled because, yes, Aaron is completely right. You should be striving to make these types of movies when you're making live-action movies. The movie, The money's on the screen, and it's big and epic. But man, you guys really dropped the ball on this on this uh, story. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the part where you said Aaron's right because I, you know, I, I said that all the time. I generally am, but <laughs> I, I do, yeah. do want to talk about very briefly about some of the the characters here. So we mentioned Jessica Lee. I think that he's great in this movie. Oh yeah, he he's does. Got, he does he, he doesn't have a lot to do, but he's great in it. And also, like every time like, he's on screen, I'm like, this guy rocks. Like he's <laughs> yeah. he's pulling off that that energy of villain vibe. It's it's really good. Yeah, it's, he lives it long like... enough to see himself become the villain. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Mowgli. Mowgli. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we mentioned Gong Li. We mentioned Zima. We mentioned um, Mulan. Donnie Yen. I think he's actually really good in this movie. There's just not enough of Donnie Yen. Yeah, that's and... my issue. That's my issue. There's not enough of him. Like he, yeah, he's good. Yeah. He's he's Donnie Yen. He's he's so generally very good. Very yeah. Good. <laughs> Like what Michael's saying, he's super talented. He's been around for a long time as a Hong Kong action movie star. 
he is great in the scenes where he's playing like this commander. He's like, hey, you know, like it's about honor, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they also give him like one small sequence of like an okay shot, like sword fighting scene, and I was like, dude, come on, this is like the best thing in the movie. But um, yeah, I as far as like the side characters go, it's a bummer that we all mentioned this. All of her, all of her like classmates or uh, I don't know. Uh, compatriots you learn nothing about them and you also like they're supposed to be uh probably the core of the story in the cartoon version and in this one they're, they're just like side cannon fodder with like a couple lines i mean we should talk about the main person involved in this group is yan san as uh as mm-hmm. chen hang hai um who's you know there's no lee shang in this movie um right for, as as in the animated version which is like the like the captain as well as a possible of interest. So mm-hmm. you have you have basically Donnie Yen and Yantanan like playing like a split up version of that character. And Yantanan, he becomes friends with Mulan. There's and there's a lot of I don't know weird tension between them, but obviously it doesn't get capitalized on in any romantic sense. Well, uh, I'm glad because I, I was glad that there was a, the tension was um, who's the best soldier. Sure, and I think that that works in terms of writing that idea like that's mm-hmm. neat in terms of seeing it come out i don't know it just never did much for me beyond like all right like he was a hard ass and now like they're kind of friends maybe and that's that's, that's <laughs> that like that's, that's not, right it's just not that interesting i guess and i yeah. know like i understand the choice in not having the lee shang character there was like the idea was get away from certain aspects involving a having a romantic interest going on inside of a 2020 movie about a female warrior at the same time, I know there's an audience out there that really likes the kind of representation going on as far as what that's delving into by having uh, a captain who has feelings for one of their soldiers and it kind of removes that element. So it's like, I don't know, it's it kind of goes either way. I can't say that I needed this movie to have you know a romance angle at the same time. What we have is just kind of less interesting as far as characters go. Based so on. That's exactly what I'm getting to, and I'd love to hear your opinion too, Michael. Uh, that's exactly what yeah. I'm getting to is I was glad that they didn't really introduce this romantic element into the movie and then they did. And then I was like, well, it would have been better if you were seen as equals because he definitely respects her as a soldier and as a warrior because he will follow her. You know what I mean? And you give this like really like clunky shot of a hand and then another hand. And I was like, it would have been way better as a firm handshake because it's like, yes, I am your equal slash, uh, you know, that I'm better than you and you have acknowledged it rather than a love story interest. Yeah, that, that, that's a good point, because before her true identity was revealed, you you saw Yuhan trying to engage her as as an equal and recognize her like, oh, she is this. Um, warrior, um, one of the best warriors, and then he fully acknowledges, you know, that you know she is the most capable, you know, person on, on the whole regiment. Mm-hmm. Uh, after she comes back, and then to have that like un- completely undermined with that final scene, it's just like, so what was all that effort for? I mean, or what was all that work and you know that that messaging? You, you want to send this message that you. Know, that this isn't necessarily a romantic story, and um, there was, as Aaron was saying, um, there was some tension there, but 
not enough to hint at like, oh, they're going to get together sort of thing. Um, she didn't even see him that way. And there, there was no signal um, throughout the film. And it completely undermines your what you're trying to tell the audience in terms of um, this could be like an independent woman, doesn't need doesn't need a man sort of thing. And like, and you as you were saying, Abe, um, just to have that clunky shot of them not handshaking. It's like, why? Where did this come? It just came out of the blue for me. And it just, like I said, it was just undermining the message of the film. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts on Mulan? I mean, I want to get to the other kind of aspect about what's going on behind the scenes, but any thoughts on the movie itself? Uh, no, but my stuff, my stuff is around behind the scenes stuff too. All right. I'll just say that for a $200 million yeah. movie, it kind of felt small at times, which I think you were saying also earlier, uh, Abe. Um, I do think that, yeah, there's a lot of vistas and there's a scene in a desert that looks really nice and everything. But every time they're talking, it felt like I was in the same three places and I was like, okay, I feel like there's, should be a bigger scale to all of this. Even when they get right. to like the Imperial city and everything, it feels like, well, that's a nice big shot of it. Why does the rest of it feel like there's one room and then they got, the, <laughs> they, get, they get to the emperor. Sure. <laughs> like there's not yeah. much there. So it's like, I, I, I want to credit like the idea of, you know, you got a, a female director making a $200 million movie for the first time. That's something. At the same time, it's like, why is Disney, like, going out of their way to, like, make it look such a specific way? It, it does. It feels not too far uh, from as far as, like, how I think a lot of Netflix films look a lot the same in that extent. Where this reminds me of something like Beauty and the Beast, where I felt that movie was weirdly claustrophobic and just not mm-hmm. that, like, large in scale. And I'm not saying Beauty and the Beast is an epic, but at the same time... You, 200 million dollars is a lot of money <laughs> I, and i've seen it movies, really is i've yeah. seen movies made yeah. for less that look ginormous so it's weird when i can look at mulan or some of these other movies and be like it feels like you cut some corners here and i don't i don't get that i don't i don't know what that is yeah but it, it, especially you know you and i Abe, at least we saw this on the small screen i i i would imagine that does it a disservice as far as seeing something you know yeah to a greater extent yeah. but at the same time mm-hmm. I mean, it's plenty of movies I've seen only at home in my TV that look amazing and look huge. So I can't, I can't say that Mulan is somehow suffering by having a lack of a big screen when I've never seen like Bridge on the River Kwai on anything but my television, and it looks, it, it has a sense of scale to it that is unmatched. So I mean, right. I, I would say that on that front, on like the cinematography front, um, you know, a small movie that I just thought about when you mentioned the big scale versus small scale a small movie that has horses and writing that i really enjoy a lot is giants yep yeah that one you know (laughs) call the play with rick Rick moranis uh and uh al bundy i forget his name right now Um, ed Ed o'neill thank you but um no it's um uh the writer right and the reason why the writer works is because it's not they use they sparsely use these these wide sweeping shots when you see these wide-sweeping shots in that movie, which is directed by Chloe Zhao, this is not – I did not think about it as like an Asian-American movie type thing. I just thought about like a, a horse-riding movie. But um, she doesn't really have like she, – she doesn't use like 60 frames of wide shots. She only uses about like five of them, and they're used like in very um, opportune places. And so it actually adds weight to the movie. It adds depth to the movie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, I hear you because – 
I agree with you that aside from them writing to certain locations, when you get to these said locations, it's very claustrophobic. You know, you think about where Mulan's village is, or and and you see that it's like surrounded by beautiful fields and trees. But then when you get inside, it's like literally. I think you see like three locations, right, Aaron? You see like the the um their home, you see like the courtyard area, courtyard. and then you see the the lady who's gonna matchmaker the matchmaker. Yeah, and I was like, Ooh. that's that's a weird thing to do, because it looks pretty big from the outside. Hmm. And at first I thought, is this is that just their home? Is what I thought when they're when they're panning in on it. Um, but yeah, I, I hear you. But Michael, what do you think about like some of the the way that the money was spent and how the movie looks? I, I appreciate their on location stuff. I know there was some green scene as well, but like like you were mentioning about the New Zealand shots and some of the China shots, those were because I saw it on the big screen. Um, it was really nice, and uh, mm-hmm. and that's where the cinematography comes in, and a lot of the other you know, practical effects and um, practical stuff. It really gave it a, a tangibility to it, which I respected because now I can get a sense of this world that it feels real, it looks real. Um, but the the editing, oh man, <laughs> the editing was just so so awful. Um, I, I kind of like... There's a lot of it. I, I, I lost my place, literally. Like, where am I supposed to be looking and where are these characters going? I, I just didn't know what was happening. So, yeah. You go ahead. No, I was gonna say that's an interesting aspect. That, that's all I want to say. I just wanted to add to to counter my own point as far as how small it looks in some places. Mulan. We haven't really talked about the animated. We don't need to get into it too far. But I I really like Mulan. That's one of my favorite of the mm-hmm. '90s era Disney movies. I, I I think it's just really well done and efficient and whatnot. And one of my favorite Disney movie experiences is seeing Mulan in theaters on like the biggest screen that there was available for it and watching that avalanche scene where Mulan just destroys the whole army and yeah so yeah. i was looking forward to what that would look like here and i would say i wasn't disappointed i really i like that avalanche scene i think it works pretty well so i just want to throw that out there i yeah i just thought it was like um i thought it worked fine because i was like oh i wonder if they're gonna have fireworks in here um and those uh, those aspects but I, I was just like you know whoever this commander is is an is an idiot <laughs> like he completely miscalculated the trajectory of the catapult. I was like, "You are so fired from from leading men." Okay. Thank, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for the thanks for the uh, support. Um, <laughs> um, okay. Well, there's a, a couple other things here, just in terms of the behind the camera stuff. I do want to, Michael, you addressed this too with the the lead actress um, earlier. She had some comments about uh, being pro police Hong Kong right now, and as we all know, Hong Kong is going through um, a very difficult political time because they have been independent from china for many years donnie yen too by the way donnie yen is a hong konger by the way yeah so it's one of those things where um i I, it's weird that it happened afterward i wonder how the premiere would have been if she said it during like the the press tour um because donnie yen would have definitely probably been like not in any of those probably uh would have been super awkward but um Michael, do you have what did she say? And then also, um, why is this super? Uh, why does it veer your your view of the movie? Well, she said something. I I don't I can't re- exactly remember what she said word for word, but she said something along the lines of she supports the Chinese police. Uh, and this was during all the, the Hong turmoil Kong of yeah 
the Hong Kong police, and this was during the whole turmoil of um, the Hong Kong citizens wanting their independence from from China because now Hong Kong is a part of China. And this goes like we could go back into the politics of this, but Hong Kong was um, a British-owned island, and mm-hmm. what's up? But now it's um, China-owned. So um, and it's been trying to fight for that um, independence for a while. This is just like broad, broad views of it. But she, yeah, she said something along the lines of she supports the Hong Kong police. And it kind of affects, you know, not kind of, it affected me in a way like this is something um, that I completely disagree with. And it made it harder for me to reconcile with uh, the fact that I like the movie because on one hand, I get to see you know, representation on screen. I get to see myself on screen in the way that I haven't been able to see before or um, it's an animated. But then again, she said these comments. So it's like, where do I fall? I, this is where I feel conflicted about the movie because she said those comments and at the same time, it's, I get to see myself on screen and I'm so happy I am. Yeah. But the way her comments, it's like, oh, I feel I feel kind of dirty now. Yeah, that, um, Like it definitely tints your view yeah, it does. And, and, and I do want to give some background here. So again, the idea here is that um, China was given, or Hong Kong was given back to China in 1997 after British yeah. um, uh, rule, and then it had been allowed to have its own government and have its own what is considered uh, Hong Kong democracy since like last year when China was saying, "Hey, we're going to unify you guys again." And the thing that really triggered a lot of the outrage and a lot of the protesting was if you commit a crime in Hong Kong, you will be extradited to China, to a criminal court in China. And people were like, well, that's not democracy. We have our own courts here. We should be tried here, right? And this all came out because there was like one case where uh, um, something did happen and they they extradited this person and then that person ended up being like um, either in prison for life or death penalty or something that was seriously austere, right? And so that's where a lot of the protest comes from. So when you have a star that says um, I'm pro Hong Kong police, which is to say I'm pro the Chinese government. And to be fair, she is Chinese mainland China, what what Asians would describe as mainland China. Um, So it really does tint it in such a way that, and the the correlation that I would make for this, because when you were speaking, Michael, um, I thought about American sniper and Aaron and I reviewed it when it came out and I ultimately gave it a, poor grade because I was telling myself it really doesn't help when the person wasn't this way. You know, like the character is not the way that you're portraying them on the screen. This is like almost like it's, it's related in that you have a mismatch of who the real person is and then uh, who the character is. And in this case, it's like, well, the, the main actress feels this way about this. Um, and so I, I see how it can taint your view of how the movie um, is viewed now, right? So, yeah, it's like it's the art versus the art artist versus the mm-hmm. art situation, right? It it really is, and I mean that's there are a variety of opinions that go along with these kind of things Completely. as far as far as you know the people that are involved, what they've done in their life, and how that can affect your viewing. And it's not necessarily the ultimate way to judge a film, but it certainly can factor in because every film is every film opinion is subjective, no doubt. You can say you're being as objective as you can, but that's a lie. It really is. Um, mm-hmm. I I mean, 
America's that's a different case. I know I know what the I, hear, I know I, what, I know I know what you're trying to make yeah, as far as the yeah, connection goes to American Sniper, but like it's not it's not like it's not like the movie Mulan is you know rewrite. Well, I mean it's a folk folk tale anyway, so it's rewriting whatever it is. But it's not like we have a very clear idea of who Mulan is on screen versus who she is on sure sure in reality. Where American Sniper is yes, there's a very significant <laughs> gap between who the real person was in reality versus what the film wants to promote. And that's right. a choice that's made. And yeah, that, that has ramifications and affects, you know, the views of the film or what have you. Um, and, but it also comes down to how much you allow that to affect your film. If you just find it to be an effective cinematic, uh, piece product from Clint Eastwood, like good on you. If you mm-hmm. factor in what it's doing to, uh, tell the legacy of that character. Yeah. That's going to leave a difference. Uh, with Mulan, yeah, I mean, an actor saying very specific things that's going to rub you the wrong way, that's no doubt going to make it difficult. I, the, the weird thing about that is how, and I'm not calling us out of being bad about this, but it's, it's a hip hop, it's a, it's a hypocritical thing to, to be in as far as we kind of pick and yeah. choose which ones we tend to not worry about or whatnot. Yeah. By all, by all accounts, Tom Cruise has been involved with some things that are not great given, given what he's involved with. Yeah, there's uh, directors there's, that there's, we know about too, right? Roman Polanski, Woody, uh, Woody Allen, something well, like that. Well, there's <laughs> there's a lot of different opinions on a lot of these things. Is what I, that, I'm that's what so I'm saying. I'm not I'm so not like, saying like one way or another. I'm just saying that I know, I know, I, I there's know. these so, controversial people that have sure. been, that have made movies that some people really enjoy, but like what you guys yeah. are saying, do you separate? How do you separate? Do you do you even separate the exactly. artist? Exactly, and that and that, I mean, we we I'm sure there are some that are just like no way, never watching a film whatsoever. Right. I think it's more complicated than that. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, friend, friend of the show, Jimmy. Yeah, friend of the show, Jimmy O has like very strong opinions about Jeepers Creepers. <laughs> yes, he does because of Victor yeah. Selva, who's done terrible things. Um, I I watched a Polanski film just last week. It was an older one, but it's like, do I not do I not watch certain films because of what they did later on? Like that's a hard stance to kind of be you know settle upon. I mean, I, you know. Uh, the pianist won best Oscar, uh, be, best, best actor, and best, best director. director. Yeah. yeah. So it's like it's it's very like it's it's such a slippery slope for people who are talking about it who aren't in the know. But at the same time, like yeah, you definitely should have your own opinion. So Michael, I mean, when you're, I I hear you exactly, and I also like I also didn't like the comments. Like I didn't really feel super strongly one way or another like when watching the movie because I just thought the movie overall was just okay. Um, I already had different issues with the movie, but had I liked the mm. movie and then I heard about this comments, I probably would have been like, yikes, you know what I mean? Like big yikes. Yeah. These comments came, um, before the movie came out and I was talking to some Disney people and mm-hmm. it was sort of out of their control. The movie was already, you know, I think the movie was already in the, the post-production process. Um, this was, I talked to this person during D23 and he's saying, he didn't agree with the comments. He obviously didn't agree with the comments, but it's just out of his hands, and it's a project that he had to market. So it's it's a slippery slope. You can't just for him. He couldn't just say, "Oh, I'm not going to work on it." I'm because this is his job. He has to market the movie. Mm-hmm. And it's also uh, it's it, a matter of disagreement too, right? Because it's not yeah. it's not necessarily what she's and regardless of my own opinion, it's not necessarily what she's saying is right or wrong. It's you just are on the other side of her, so it's you, like if yeah. you're on if you're well, on the same if you're on the same side of her, but the con, the the comments are still controversial, and there's plenty that disagree with her. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, the, mm-hmm. you, you can't just... It comes down to, I guess, a level of morality of how much you want to work, but at the same time, it's like, people say controversial things, and that if you don't agree with them and you still have to work on that, that's the choice. But also, if you're on the side of them while others disagree, that's also the choice. So it's, it's, it is a slippery yeah. slope, like you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I appreciate, like I said, about the representation on the screen, and I have, but the, just the behind-the-scenes stuff and the off-screen stuff is what I have um, problems with. I take issue with. So, yeah. There's some other elements that we didn't get to as far yeah, as please. behind the scenes, because yes, we talked about the lead actress's comments, but there's also the fact we've mentioned many times there's a lot of writers on here that are not Asian. Um, yeah. There's a, oh a number, yeah. There's a number of filmmakers involved here that are you know not Asian. Now, this gets into a territory of what what filmmakers are allowed to make what movies, and I have various opinions on that, and I don't really think we need to go too far into this because this would be a whole longer conversation. But I, I hear well, the concern. I, I do. Wanna, I, I do, I do hear, wanna, I hear, say something I, about that though. Honestly. Yeah, yeah. I, I I think Black Panther did the best job in terms of that because they had you know obviously um, Ryan Coogler as director. They have two black writers, but they also had Lou, uh, Ludwig. I can't pronounce his last name for the life of me, honestly. But um, they had Rachel Morrison as cinematographer and Lou, Lou, uh, Ludwig doing the score, mm-hmm. and I think that's the best. That they set they set the bar. Um, that's that's the barometer, at least what studios should be striving for is the pro in terms of proper representation. That's, yeah. that's my opinion. And Aaron, I, I basically just want to say like, go as far as you want, as comfortable as you want on the on the show, because I was also going to bring this up. Okay. <laughs> um, from what I can tell, Nikki Caro, who's the director, and she's from New Zealand. The, a lot of the people that she's brought on to be involved in this film are people that she seems to connect with in some way. They're she printed generally people in Australia and New Zealand, places that she's, you know, been and is probably more comfortable with as far as the kind of people she can work with. Does that make it necessarily right or wrong? I don't think there's a way of saying that, but I do think <laughs> taking on the a project of this size, yes, I think there's some optics there as far as there's there could be certain people involved that would make people more comfortable with having a Mulan movie being made by Disney today. At the same time, I, I, I don't necessarily think there should there, there needs to be a limit on only this kind of person can direct this kind of thing. It, could it be a better look? Sure. At the same time, you have a female director directing a movie about a female warrior, and she's picking yeah. the people that she knows how to work with best. Does that mean she can't sure. reach out? I don't. I don't know enough. I don't know enough about what the process was in selecting who's going to do the cinematography, who's going to do the costume design, or what have you. I don't know what that story is, but I do know that a director, as you know, is making a lot of calls on a huge project, and they're they're getting the results that they seem to want. Uh, I don't want to keep going. I want you guys to say something. No, about... I mean. <laughs> So what I was going to bring, no, I was going to bring that's up. That's why this... I was saying. Okay, go ahead. I'll, no, I'll, I was going to bring up this the same exact thing, which is, um, yeah, behind the camera, I, I mentioned it earlier. Nikki Caro does great stories with people. She has people focused movies like Well Writer. I enjoyed McFarland USA. I watched it on a plane, but I also was like more enjoyable. If I I found it more enjoyable than I thought because it wasn't actually about white savior Kevin Costner. It, it kind of is, but at the same time. It's about these kids and how these kids needed something to really help them get out of like um, like the funk of McFarland, this small town in the central California, uh, uh, the valley, right? And 
I think that she does great work. And if it, if the team is your team, then the team is your team, right? But I, I, I definitely agree with you, Aaron, that there shouldn't be, like, well, if this is an Asian movie, then you have to have an Asian director. Like, you know, optics aside, it's just more of, like, you know, if I like the way that this person has been directing things, like, you know, I'm going to have this person direct things. And whether it's a big name or a small name, it doesn't really matter. It's just more of, like, I like the way the, the style is done. Michael, you brought up a great point about Black Panther, about, you know, that that one I felt it was much more controlled um, in terms of, like, well, Ryan, you're going to be writer-director, and also uh, we're going to have Chadwick Boseman on RIP, um, and then we're also going to have, like, this stellar cast of, like, these great actors doing this movie. And we were already at a mature phase in Marvel at that point, too, because we had already seen um, at least two phases of movies. And so you knew how seriously you could take it? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and I, I kind of feel bad because this is a Disney property as well. This Mulan movie is a Disney property as well. But it doesn't fall in the same boat as like the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe slash the Disney-owned Marvel Cinematic Universe. And the reason why is because I feel is like these movies are still a little bit in their infancy, these live-action movies. like The ones that we've named that are good are probably Cinderella, Jungle Book, and um, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed Aladdin. Um, Pete's Dragon. Pete's Dragon, yeah, thank Pete's you. Pete's Dragon. Uh, that's a great yeah. call. Um, but I would say that they're they're probably still in their empty. I, I think that the the example that I think about in this movie or for this movie is something like Crazy Rich. No, I definitely agree with you, Aaron. That if the director the director doesn't necessarily have to be like an Asian American or an Asian person or um, like a person of color or, or that sort. I definitely think that there there needs to be more directors and people of color uh, as directors to tell these types of stories. But the book that Asian or the book that Crazy Rotations is based on was written by an Asian American or a Chinese guy. Um, and also they had, uh, whatchamacallit, um, like one co-writer at least was Asian, but that gives more, like when you're watching that movie, you get more elements of global Asian awareness. Uh, and so it actually, I, I felt more things in that movie um, even though it's a little more of like a romantic comedy for, for Mulan, I didn't really feel a lot of attachment and I don't well, really, that's the, that's the thing, right? I mean, we're talking about some examples like black Panther, crazy rich Asians. Yes. I'm saying I don't necessarily think you need to be of a certain way to direct a certain thing and represent, but representation doesn't matter at the same time though, looking at black Panther and crazy rich Asians, which have a lot of involvement from people that are very much connected to those kinds of worlds the results mm-hmm. are a lot better, right? They're so, I mean, a lot yeah. better. <laughs> like, that's, yeah. that's the thing. Well, yeah. Like, yeah. It's like, great, that's you did thing. it, but at the same time, look at the results here. Right. If, if you go back to the, the writers, at least, they seem to be confusing um, the Phoenix um, metaphor because the way they expressed it, at least, it seems to be more of a westernized interpretation of the Phoenix, whereas um, the, the more Eastern one, it's more working in the yin and yang with the dragon and with mm. this one it's more of a rising from the ashes sort of thing which i i've been told at least that's not a true representation of what the eastern um phoenix is so yeah. there, there's a lot of um when you speak to that authenticity i i um, i i began to see it after I, I talked to my friends like oh wow that's that's actually right yeah, and I think that what we're all saying is, like, that feeling is different, you know? Like, the example I think about in Crazy Rich Asians when I knew that it was, like, an Asian movie 
was when they're texting and she's like, who is Rachel Chu? And they have like four different spellings of the last name Chu. I was like, that's a very Asian thing. You know what I mean? Like, that's <laughs> funny because there are multiple spellings. So because there are multiple spellings, it's uh, like an in-joke. For this movie, there's no real thing. And I, I'm i not saying that the writers... Like, I think the writers did just an adequate job in this movie because, again, I think that it's clunky in story. I think it's clunky in characters, and I think it's clunky as like a resolution. So it wasn't a great written story anyway. Do I think it would have been spruced up if they had added, like, I don't know, elements of more Chinese culture to the movie? Probably not. It probably wouldn't have served it in any purpose because the script I didn't think was that great okay. anyway, right? But right. if the script was like... I, 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 don't, I don't necessarily uh-huh. agree because I, I think, I mean, you know this. Movies are a collaborative process and things change as they go or the feel changes. As feel. Yeah, I mean, yes, having a great foundation is great and all, but if you have a, if you have a specific vision or you have certain collaborators involved, yeah. you can do a lot with that in spite of the fact that the script is maybe like so-so because you have a you have an authenticity there or you have a very specific type of vision you're trying to achieve there any number of things because there's that's a great there's, point. There's, there's just more there's more to it than yeah. just the script i'm not saying so, it doesn't matter okay. at all yeah, yeah. but that, that, i do think that's that a great, there's yeah that's a great point about like collaboration and getting different ideas out of people i i think it so if i i guess if i were to backtrack it does suffer from not having like an Asian writer on the spot, or at least sure. like somebody I don't disagree who's like with that. Yeah. reading the script and being like, "Well, I wouldn't have done this. I would like because I don't know enough about Michael. You you probably know more about it than I do. I don't know enough about like Chinese culture exactly to you know nitpick and pinpoint uh, specific elements of the movie um, and say like, "Well, Chinese people don't really do that," or whatever the case is. Like, I have my own. Asian culture-ish. Well, I well, do, yeah, Abe, yeah. and I thought yeah, it was I'm, great. I'm so. more of the Western, Western <laughs> Asians. Yeah. ABC, as they say. Right, uh, but you you certainly still have, like, probably but, some insights um, that are, yeah, that are more yeah, than Aaron and I. I yeah. going, going into what you were saying about, you know, crazy Asians, you, you get to feel and understand it through those, like, little nuances. And I didn't see any of those nuances at all in Long. So that's why it's like, this doesn't inherently feel like an uh, an Asian movie. I know it's not supposed to be just like targeted towards Asians. The, the, the sure. story itself is supposed to be universal and you know relatable to everybody, but it just didn't feel Asian, despite the fact that it's set in ancient China or it has this large Chinese cast. So it just you, there was there didn't feel like anything like it. That's all. You know, we we've talked about this before on some other thing probably multiple times anyway it's a thought that i generally have where it's like i don't you know yes making it less of a thing can make it more universal but i actually tend to feel the opposite i think the more specific you get sometimes you can make it feel more personal or at least related 100 okay. and well, I, I mean i, mean, I yeah. like i mean none of us are from wakanda but i i do think that there is a lot of personal connection obviously no. for you know, black people that have been waiting to see a a huge scale black because there's been others, but a huge scale black superhero movie. But I mean, there's you know the nature of culture and family and all these things. Like th- those aren't things you necessarily connect with on a specific level, but at the same time, the general themes that they're going for because they are so hyper specific, you can get into that because you can get into the personal turmoil that some of these characters are facing. Yeah, and I do, and I do think Mulan would have benefited from that as well. I do think if you got in, if you let it go, like we said, like I said, full Yang Zimao, let it just really delve into like just crazy 
rich Asians, crazy Asian cinema as far as like giving you wild martial arts scenes, let alone even deeper melodrama involving Mulan and her family and the army and what have you. That's prop. That's a way to connect you more because you you so want to relate to these people. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. Generally speaking, I, I'm I'm a big fan of this, which is be authentic in your voice, like sure. for any situation, because you know whether you're karaoke singing or you're just like you know making like um like whenever I do these micro impressions. Out now, karaoke is gonna be so great when we launch. Yeah, it. it's gonna be fantastic. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be a WebOX. Um, so thanks Adobe. Um, no, but um. Even when I'm doing like macro impressions or whatever, like whenever you have any sort of thing that you want to say, have a conviction in what you're saying because it definitely feels realer, right? And so when you're, I agree with you 100%, Aaron. When you're making these movies, this is goes back to something that you said during the review too, which is if you're gonna make a more serious Mulan movie, then be serious with it. Otherwise, you're not making, you're like you're half-assing something. Half one foot is in the pool, one foot is out of the pool, kind of thing, right? So the thing that I wanted to bring up with Black Panther is that I'm not black, but wait a minute. <laughs> what? Uh, but when they showed the Oakland, California card in the beginning of the movie, yeah. I felt a part of it because I live in the Bay. I've lived in the Bay for like the last like 15 years. You know what I mean? So it's like, or longer than that. It's, it's just, you you get it like this and i know that's just a title card but the thing is like they made it true enough and i know that like ryan coogler is from the bay so i was like well he's not gonna mess it up you know what i mean um so and that's your connection with it yeah yeah that's and so when you see like a movie like mulan and i agree with you aaron that like when and michael when you guys when you have like these writers that don't necessarily express anything like they have no real conviction about how they feel about like i read this on on twitter and i didn't really have an issue with it is um mulan like in in chinese culture you don't let your hair down unless you're in mourning or unless you're in in um uh like a, a different state other than um it's not supposed to represent joy or whatever the case is sure and the reason why i didn't have an issue with it hugely is because in the cartoon she also lets her hair down but uh, so if, if you're just making it from that point of view but then i also read something and I've noticed this in the movie, too. I read something about, um, why does Mulan have curly hair? <laughs> and I was like, I was wondering the same thing. <laughs> like, when I watched this movie, I was like, Asian people don't really have curly Unless you, like, if you're, I've known, like, some Taiwanese people to have curly hair. And maybe, like, some Hong Kong people. But that's because, like, a lot of, like, mixed blood and whatever. Case, like, mainly Chinese people, we have really straight hair. <laughs> so I don't know why yeah. it would have been curly. So little things like that where it's like, you know, if you had like an Asian person, they're like, what are we what are you doing? Like, you know what I mean? And I think to everybody's point here, the costume designer, the makeup people for Black Panther, all black. You know what I mean? Like the the composer is not. But at the same time, like I was surprised <laughs> but when he won the Academy Award and I was like, he's a white guy. But uh, I guess Ludwig would have would have given it away. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, but I, to to uh, just to wrap up my thoughts on it is, I felt as though um, it's a Chinese movie and it's Disney made. So yes, they were gonna play it safe, but I didn't think they were gonna go bland safe. Is what I was trying to get at. That yeah, and I mean, yeah, we've we've talked a lot of it. We've talked a lot about it. It's been almost two hours. <laughs> it's great. It's a great chat. I'm happy with this discussion. Yeah, but I mean, I. 
I feel like I probably like the movie a little bit more uh, than sure. you guys, but at the same time, yes, I certainly acknowledge that there's there's issues as far as how far it wants to go. And moving forward, we have a question about this coming up in our feedback. Um, thank you. Uh, and to kind of address what the Disney remakes are doing, but it's you know. <laughs> Having it come out a way like this just makes just emphasizes the fact that as you know as nice as it is to get the certain kind of on-screen representation, it's still you know a giant money day for Disney just to release these regardless of like the, the kind of emotional impact that goes into it. That's not to that's not try, me trying to be unfair to the filmmakers and actors involved because yes they put their effort in. I'm sure their hearts all in the right place. They want to do what's right here. But when you have a movie that feels like it's robbed of doing more with its culture, yeah it tends to emphasize the fact that at the end of the day, this is still a movie that's guaranteed to make a lot of money for a giant corporation because people remember it from the nineties. And yeah. that's unfortunate. Yeah. I mean, like I, I, I think my last, last nitpick, sorry to interrupt you, Michael is um, uh-huh. when I'm watching this movie here, I see all these Asian faces and I only hear like one or two things in Mandarin or in Cantonese in the background that is in Mandarin or Cantonese. Like, I think it would have been great to have seen like a scene with Zima and uh, Yufi to just briefly chat with like one subtitle, one, like four words of subtitle. That would have made a big impact on me. You know what I mean? I'm just like, yeah, yeah. you are my daughter or you have brought honor to the family. Like you see the you see the the um, the characters on the sword and then on the back of the sword, you know, there's like, honor of family. You don't think that I would have loved to have had them just say honor a family in in Mandarin? Like it would have been fantastic. But you know, those are these are like little small things where it's like it it would go a long way if you had done it. So that's sort of my last thing. Is like it I, I love more of an impact than just having you know a couple of characters written on a sword, basically, right? Yeah, because I can't read. I don't read Chinese characters. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it's that's like, not, you know, no, that's, I, I mean, I, I do, but I don't want to tell you what they say. <laughs> <laughs> what yeah, they really say. Even if you translated it in quotes at the bottom, that would have been nice. You know, I, I, again, these are all like aesthetic choices, so I don't really knock it on that, but I do knock it on, um, again, just the way that if it, 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 I found it kind of weird to see these Chinese people not speaking Chinese. At one point or another, and I get that it came from like this anime movie where nobody spoke Chinese anyway, um, but I don't know why. Like it, it sort of like I was like maybe I should just watch this with in Mandarin with uh, English subtitles, but I don't think they had that option just yet. So it should I, maybe not in a, I don't know. Does it? I don't. I don't. I, I'm not sure. Yeah. As but, we as Mike and I had screeners, uh, I don't yeah. really know the options on Disney Plus right now, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's a, a Chinese option. I know, I know there's a I know there's a Mandarin track. I know that. I know that exists. Yeah. I mean, they usually yeah. have Mandarin track in in general anyway, for these yeah. releases. So, but that's the last thing is that I wanted to bring up was um um I see a lot of faces, but not a lot of voices. Uh, so that's that's the, oh, that's the takeaway. Well, we're not gonna put that on the poster, but we can get into our thoughts <laughs> overall. <laughs> when should people? Tagline. When should people see Mulan? Should you watch? Should you pay the? Should you pay the thirty dollars on Disney Plus to watch it, however long you have Disney Plus, which is the available option right now? Should you wait till December when you can watch it for free, or what? Uh, Michael, uh, I would say, and I say this with great like hesitancy, but yeah, go ahead and pay the thirty. Uh, just understand the frustrations that some people are feeling behind the scenes, but 
also see what it means to have uh, a female director, a director, woman of color on on big screen or um, on a blockbuster film. So yeah, so there's there's two minds of it, but yeah, go ahead and pay the thirty dollars. Yeah, I was less on it than you guys were just um, uh, objectively. So I would say that you can just wait for it to actually just come out on Disney+. Plus. I will say this. If you've been waiting for Mulan since March to go and see this, specifically if you like have you know friends, a family to like want to watch this with, $30 to watch this movie, I think is, is in the scheme of things for Disney – that's a pretty fair price. That could have easily sure. been more. Yeah. Uh, well, $30 yeah. compared to like $100 for a family of four to go out, get snacks and stuff and sit in the theater. That's a pretty good deal. So if like you can't wait to see Mulan, if you want to see it, if you've been waiting for it. I, as I said, I do think this is kind of the level that these remakes should be striving for at the minimum. So I do mm-hmm. think it's effective. And I think that's worthwhile. If you're not like, if you're not super excited to see Mulan... I mean, it, yeah, it's going to be on Disney Plus soon enough anyway, so you, you can wait. So, right. you know, yeah. if, if the anticipation's there, I think it matches it decently enough. Makes sense. Okay. Well, that All was right. a very in-depth Woo! discussion of Mulan, and I was very happy we had it. That was very cool. I was, I was happy we kind of got into some, yeah. some big things. Yeah, I'm glad that you guys had a lot favorites. of No, thanks, Michael. No, for sure. <laughs> um, with that said, let's move on now. Let's get to some feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. This is where we go with the various questions and answers on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash podcast. We asked a number of questions to the listeners, and they gave us answers. And then, in all of our wisdom, we're like, give us some questions. And that happened, and here we are. So, <laughs> with all of that, hey, why don't you start this one off? First question is, what's your favorite wushu, wuxia film, uh, a.k.a. martial arts fantasy? Maxwell, friend of the show, has Hero, which I thought about a lot because Jet Li is in this movie, uh, in Mulan, and also in Hero. And Donnie, uh, and Donnie, yeah, that's right. Yeah, they have like this beautiful like outdoor sequence. Uh, in Everyone's Hero. in Hero. Hero's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jim Dietz from the show has Shadow and Blood of the Immortal. Dennis Lopez has Hero. Chris Cleveland has so many. Yep, Hero, Touch of Zen, and Crouching Tiger. Irene writes, my favorites are Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and Master of the Flying Guillotine. My father was a fan of the One-Armed Swordsman. Todd Liebenau has House of Flying Daggers. Uh, Luke has Wing Chun. Uh, Scott Mendelson from the show has House of Flying Daggers. Keith Thompson has House of Flying Daggers. Wuxia. Uh, though my very favorite martial arts film series is the Blind Swords and movies from Japan. Well, I apologize first... if I didn't name you as a friend of the show. I might be a little bit rusty on my updates. <laughs> Lots of House of Flying Daggers, love, which I'm happy to see because that movie rocks. Like I'm such a huge yeah. fan of no, House of Flying it, Daggers. It really does, honestly. Yeah. I, 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 I think we mentioned this before in, like, an action scene question or something, but, like, there's a scene in that movie that is so intense and has such a crazy ending as far as, like, how are they going to get out of this one? I couldn't, I, like, that was one of the most thrilling times I've ever been in a movie theater watching an action sequence. Like, it has so, so much cool action. No, there. completely. I mean, like, yeah. you know, like, I've been exposed to, like, Hong Kong film for a long time, right? Um, and so when, when these imports started coming over... Like, you know, it, it kind of started with Ang Lee and Crush Tiger Hidden Dragon, although that was, I would say that's like American made um, with like an Asian sensibility, which is a movie that we should have been referencing all along. I don't know why I didn't think about it before, <laughs> but um, uh, I was glad that people were really into the way that it is operatic and flowy, like in the fight sequences and also in their storytelling. So I, I was I was happy that people were, were receiving it super well because House of Flying Daggers you get and you also get um, – 
What's the other one like? There's the Curse of the Golden Flower, which I'm not a big fan of, but I mean, it exists. Beautiful shots. Yeah, yeah, I mean, your mouth's going to make a a good looking movie. Like, you're not going to. You're not going to go along with with Yamao's movies as far as cinematography. Yeah. Goes. But Shadow was on my top ten last year, which is another great Yamao movie. And that one, right. the the trick there is he goes only black and white color palette, and it's amazing what he does with that. Nice. So it's yeah. like it's well, still a color it's still a color film, but he's just operating completely just in black chooses, and white. Yeah. And it's really really cool looking for sure. It's a great director choice. And obviously Crouching Tiger. I mean that we did that we did that commentary back in March when theaters still existed. Um, that's. That that's a that's a perfect movie. <laughs> so I mean, that's, you it's fantastic. That you. you know, you talk about fathers and daughters again, or like you know, like sorceresses again, and that that has all elements of it. And um, hell, Kung, Kung Fu Hustle I watched not too long ago, and my God, that movie. So, I that just watched Kung Fu Hustle like this past week too. So that movie to it, us. I put that movie as high as like the dramas. Like yes, it's like it's more comedic, but it's still like it takes it so seriously as far as how to compose well, shots. Stephen and, Chow is is really funny, and he the, is really funny, but like he make he it's a it's a it's a seriously well-made movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all of those movies are like God of Cookery, um, Shell and Soccer, Soccer, all that stuff. Yeah. CJ7. Yeah. Um, did you guys have any favorite uh, favorite wushu wushu movies or martial arts fantasy movies? I mean, I, I was gonna throw those. in the I Matrix. Mean, we already mentioned them. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. So anyway, all right. <laughs> uh, let's see. Next one we have here. What are your favorite films about family traditions? Justin has Get Out, which made me laugh when I Pretty saw that the first time. Pretty funny, yeah. <laughs> uh, Chris has Ready or Not and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Those are all great. I would I throw feel, in... I feel like I was going to get uh-huh. serious dramas for these answers, but these are great answers. <laughs> yeah, and they're, they're very funny. I was going to throw in uh, the Adam Stanley with the Mumushka. Um, so. That's good. I like that. Yeah. Uh, family, family tradition movies, uh, Michael? Uh, I'll just throw in one. Um keeping with synergy with the whole Disney thing and Scott, uh, Jason Scott Lee, uh, I'll just say, uh, what is that? Lilo and Stitch. Lilo and oh, Stitch. Yeah, sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ohana. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned family traditions and Jason Scott Lee, and I was also like, I guess Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. Um, <laughs> yeah, you can say that too. I, I saw that. Run! I saw uh, that 26 years ago, and yeah, I, I don't remember it very much. <laughs> yeah, that uh, that uh, ghost samurai thing really scares me. Um, uh, the next question is, who are your favorite female warriors? Uh, Adam Gentry, friend of the show, has The Bride, uh, a.k.a. Beatrix Kiddo, uh, Ripley, um, and Furiosa. That's a great uh, trilogy there. That's Todd a solid out. reference. Yeah, Todd Liebenau has The Bride and Kill Bill, Furiosa, Mad Max Fury Road. Chris Cleveland has, yeah, you can't top the Bride, Furiosa, and Ripley. And we'll add in Wonder Woman. Um, the cartoon, probably, right? Um, what? <laughs> no, we hear you, Chris. We're, yeah, we know what you're talking about. Uh, Justin has, Wonder Woman was my favorite comic character growing up. Some good ones have already been said, but I will add in Moana, Joan of Arc, and one of my favorites, Yushu Lian. Uh, I don't know who uh, Yushu Lian is, but... Uh, and then it's, it's, I, it's 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 the it's the um it's the character Zhang Zi plays in uh, Crouching Tiger. Ah, okay, gotcha. Um, and then lastly, Maxwell Furniture has alongside many that were said, I would add in Okoye, Katniss Everdeen, and if TV is allowed, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It's not, and you're disqualified, Maxwell. Take a <laughs> hike. <laughs> Go back to your Broadway podcast. <laughs> um. Uh, Michael B. Yeah, the others. Yeah, Zena, the Warrior Princess. Come on. 
back to back with Kevin Sorbo's Hercules on like Sunday nights. Come on. A lot, a lot of good ones have been named. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, Zhang Ziyi and, and Michelle Yeoh, both in Crouching Tiger, let alone other things, tend to be very good in these movies. Michelle Yeoh is very good in that movie. It's it's very... Uh, her character arc is really sad. Like, her story is sad. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, female female warriors. I mean, I guess you could say Michelle Yeoh and Crazy Rotations as the matriarch of the family. I mean, she's just fighting for everything. Um, Michael, the um, the yeah. the uh, the Matrix, uh, uh, Trinity in the Matrix. Trinity. There you go. Yeah. So great wushu and yeah. also great uh, great female uh, warrior. Any anything else from you, Michael? Uh, I was going to say I was also going to say Wonder Woman as well, but um, yep. uh, I I was going to say Okoye as well. Yeah. From, uh, Black yeah. Um, Linda Hamilton in the uh, in, Term- in Terminator Two. I'm doing pull-ups like Linda Hamilton in Terminator 2. That's a, uh, <laughs> a callback to... Um, Hunt for the Wilder People. <laughs> no, he's, he's calling Ricky Baker. He's like, you're, you're, you're Linda Hamilton, but not in, not in Terminator 2 when she's doing chit-ups in the first Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a very specific and super funny reference. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, next question. Next question. What are some fa- what are some animated features you'd like to see as live action? Stephen writes Atlantis, The Lost Empire. Interesting. Maxwell Haddad, former friend of the show, he <laughs> says I I I came to say this as well for Atlantis. Uh-huh. And uh, Chris writes Lily Cat or Perfect Blue or wow. an R-rated Watership Down. Perfect Blue as like a live action, you'd have That's, to have like isn't isn't that Black Swan? Yeah, but he, you'd also have to like have one car wide direct that movie. I, or you could get Darren Aronofsky to make Black Swan because that's pretty much it, right? I guess you could. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, they kind of did it. <laughs> yeah. Um, animated features I like to see of live action. Rango. <laughs> I think that's perfect. I think that's perfect as is. That's what I'm talking about. I know. Unless, I was just yeah, thinking of like a uh, really rinky dink version. Unless you made it meta, it, where you have uh, all the voice actors play their characters from the movie. That's well, that's how they made that movie. That they Did actually, they? yeah, they like, similar to yeah. like Fantastic, similar to Fantastic Mr. Fox. They like they just got the actors. It did like basically like theater for Rango. Yeah. That's how that's how they recorded all the voices. Oh my god! Somebody I, like whoever has production footage of this, just release it. Oh I, yes, I, that's I what I like. That's what I really want to see. Fox is similar too, where they all like went to like a cabin. I do or you remember that? And just yeah. like ro- like had Clooney like rolling around. In Rolled the, dirt the grass. And stuff and yeah, like, exactly. Like it was. <laughs> I I remember watching that behind the scenes. But if somebody has behind the scenes of Rango. I would love to see that because Rango is like Johnny Depp being like Rango-y. Come on, give me that. For Isle of Dogs, Wes Anderson evacuated an island of Japan and populated with just white people and like made a whole movie. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. Brian Cranston was on all fours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, did you have any, Michael, live action uh, animated or live action movies from animated features? Could be, could uh... be uh, Japanese anime or I guess uh, classic Disney animation, I guess. Well, they already did Alita, so I don't know now. <laughs> um, and that was a good, that was a good uh, uh, on-screen. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that was clearly a, like underappreciated when it was out in theaters. Like, come on, go see this movie. In regards to other animation stuff, oh, not that I could think of right now. No, because okay. they already did. Like, I I've been watching uh, a bunch of. Oh, you know what? 
they should do a, a Yu Yu Hakusho since you were saying anime. Um, a ghost That'd file. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm still I curious would, about... I would, I would like to see that. Yeah, and I'm still curious about the last show that you're on too, the Cowboy Bebop adaptation with John Chu. Um, well, you'll, you'll eventually. Yeah. John Cho, eventually. Exactly. If he doesn't well, get like, anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hopefully there's no curse on that on that show. They're just like, don't make this live action. Um, you know how many Eins they've blown up so far? <laughs> <laughs> I was sad. The Queen is super sad about this. Um because she loves those. Uh, the the question that we got from a listener for everybody here today, George asks, have the quality of the live-action Disney remakes justified their production? None of them scored particularly well with critics on Metacritic. Uh, obviously, they were produced to make money, which they've made a ton of. But creatively, are they worth their time to watch? First of all, George, thank you for the question. Secondly, thank you for Ooh. using Metacritic as like the meter for this. Um I kind of mean that as a joke, but also, like, you know, it's probably the most, quote-unquote, objective one out of all of those out there. Um, so, yeah, I open up the floor to both of you guys, and I'll also answer this, about um, whether they are... We know that they're money-making machines, but are they worth our time to watch? If the, I mean, as far as worth our time to watch, I mean, that's you can ask that about any movie, honestly. I mean, it, it doesn't yeah. matter. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if it's worth your time to watch. The fact is it exists, and if you want to choose to watch it, you can. If it... <laughs> Mm-hmm. Were they produced to make? Are, are they produced to make money? Which they made it to, like, yeah. I mean, that's that's what they've. Ca- I mean, Disney's a business. Like, they they, they want to make money. They've, they they but they're tapping into something that audiences are saying they want to see with their wallets. That's what it comes down to. It it's not a matter of we needed this to happen or anything. But yes, the effort's going to be put in there to make the qual- the best quality product they can to an extent. But at the end of the day the audience is the one that's saying, I want more of this, give this to me, please, based off the fact that they keep going to see it. I mean, yeah. at, the, at the same time that we've gotten Alice in Wonderland and Jungle Book and Lion King, we, we've had things like uh, Queen of Katwe or Tomorrowland, original movies or movies that are based off something, and audiences did not go see those. So, I mean, <laughs> the, it's it's based off that demand that we're getting these movies and we're getting more of them. I don't know how long that's going to carry out. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of us have speculated that after the 90s Disney flow of movies, there's there hasn't been much money to be made in the other ones outside of, you know, an outlier like Jungle Book. So, I don't I don't know how long you can keep that going. I don't think anyone's going to want to see Chicken Little <laughs> live action, but with I mean, Zach Braff with Zach Braff return, reprising the role, returning he, exactly, he, he, where he's covered in feathers. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know where that longevity is, but for the time being, that's that's what they're throwing at us because we're saying we want those things. Has the has the quality justified their has the quality of them justified their production? I some have to a degree. I mean, there's with like something like Jungle Book or Lion King. What I like about those what I admire about those movies, because I like Jungle Book, I don't like Lion King, is that there is innovation being had there. Jungle Book won an Oscar for a reason. Lion King did a lot with visual effects. I don't think the movie was that effective on a narrative level or mm-hmm. other reasons, yeah. but I do. But the movie, I think as we, as I described at the time, that feels like a stepping stone as far as we have this technology we've developed for this thing, and the best way we can throw it out there is putting it in something that's going to make money no matter what. There was never a chance that Lion King was going to flop, so let's use our creative endeavors to do something with that. 
and the result is you're going to get more movies that can utilize this technology, ideally better movies. That's worthwhile to a degree, I suppose, and it greases the wheels of Disney because they're making money off of it. So the I can just only hope that more innovation comes in the future in terms of not only better technical qualities, but movies that in general that come out of that. Yeah, Michael, uh, thoughts about the production of the remakes, but also are they worth your time and money? Yeah, it all depends on, obviously depends on the movie, um, the, the, the original source of it. I mean, it's not like we're going to see a home on the range with Roseanne Barr anytime soon, but. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good one. But um, if it's like a Mulan, there, there is there is a, a hunger to see those, those kinds of movies. Um, and again, it involves on the critic as well, you, because we could get something entirely unexpected like Pete's Dragon, which was, a, you know, a deviation from the original stuff and it turned out to be good, but. It didn't do that well in the box office, if I remember. Which but, movie, sorry? Uh, Peace Dragon. Peace Dragon. Yeah, it, it. To be fair, it was like it was a lower budget, but yes, it did a modest kind of box office performance. So yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it, it just it all comes down to the audience's like desire to see whatever um, title is coming out, and like you guys said, it's that well is drying up pretty fast. Um, We've, we've got like what is that little mermaid and hunchback and a couple others left like, and hercules yeah, yeah and hercules so yeah there's there's not that many coming out and again i don't want to see a home on the range anytime soon <laughs> as far as like the production of them i would say that disney has hit a sweet spot with what you guys were just referencing like these uh, 80s and 90s disney vault disney classic animated movies because like we were talking about when we talked about Toy Story 3 and Toy Story 4, we are the people who watch them as kids are now at a place where they have their own kids or they have a disposable income to go watch these movies. And they want to have this nostalgia feeling of is it going to be like the time when I had that um, that pizza party and we watched 101 Dalmatians or what have you. You know what I mean? Um, so where, I, I think, to, to be fair, they already made 100 Dalmatians. <laughs> right, right, right. I was just saying 32 of them. Like. Yeah, we're, doing it we're getting a third one. We're getting a we're getting a Cruella movie from Emma Stone. Right. <laughs> again, I'm 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 just naming like a, a universal. Well, movie. you're wrong, Abe. So well, I got shit. You. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that well is not that dry now. That <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess we can have the second hunchback of of Notre Dame in Les Mis. Um, but uh, uh, as far as like the production goes, again, I think that they've hit a sweet spot where everybody is older now and they have families and they have money, but they also are in a weird phase in which like how can you keep this going so you guys are all right i think just to directly answer george your question of does the quality of the live action disney remakes justify the production yes right they're spending money on these movies maleficent looks great um maleficent mm. enchantress of evil looks pretty decent they had like some compelling story elements that they didn't really fulfill um, that's, I, that second one looks great. That first one. First one probably probably not as great. Yeah. Um, but Jungle Book looks really fun. It, it made or won best visual does visual visual effects. Yeah. Visual effects. Lion King looks great, but it did not have anything going with it. So you have you have like a hot and cold. This is like a David Ayer situation, right? Like we're we're running to like you're giving money to these directors and filmmakers and um, uh, production crews. But is the quality there to justify it? I don't know. I don't think that some of them are worth your time, honestly. 
right? Like, I don't think the Jungle Book brought anything new that... I'm sorry, the Lion King brought anything new. I was going to say, Jungle Book's like the best one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, the Lion King brought anything new for you to be like, you know, that was well worth my time in the theater to hear uh, Donald Glover voice Simba. I felt more in the animated movie because I just think that they wanted to, to tell a story in that one. In this one, it was a remake. Let's see what we can do with CG. And we'll have Beyonce write a new song. We'll also have Beyonce be the voice of Nala. Um, so it, it, it's different. So the production quality is there. But as far as like you going to go out and see it, no. Not every one of them is worth your time seeing, for sure. You know, I'd rather you go watch something that you really um, like had a nostalgia feeling for. If they re-release like, Inner Space, go see that instead. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because like, that, meant, that meant more to you when you were like 10 or 12. Then it does if they were to remake it with like whoever is the the current uh, Disney pop star right now, you know. So, um, yeah, I I don't think all these are hits at all. You know, Mulan was not a hit for me. I liked the cartoon enough. I don't really remember much of it, but you know, the live action wasn't a hit. And I love Beauty and the Beast, the animated. You know, that opening with the Alan Menken score gives me chills every time. They tried to recreate it for. <laughs> for the live action and i felt nothing so you know it's give and take but at the same time uh like what aaron mentioned and we've said on the show and i'm sure that michael agrees you spent you vote with your dollars right so i know that the theaters aren't open right now but if you don't want to see shitty movies like minions 5000 then don't go see minions 5000 4999 (laughs) great question george it is a good question, um, and certainly relevant to our discussion today. Uh, with all of that, I think we've Oof. gone on quite a long bit. Marathon. So that's going to do it for this week's episode of Out Now, Out There, and Abe. You can find more of my work at codezeek.com. Everything I do ends up over there. I'm also writing movie reviews at We Live Entertainment, uh, Blu-ray reviews at wisebluecom and filmmaker interviews over at Variety. You can also find me on Twitter at Aaron'sPS4. Abe? You can find more fun stuff on my Instagram, Abe.Moore, and Twitter.com. Slash Walrus Moose hashtag justice for Eddie Murphy justice for Mushu. <laughs> Michael Lee, where can people find more of you online? You can find my stuff at thatsitla.com and pocculture.com and my Instagram and Twitter at, uh, at I am Michael J. Lee. Great. You can find all the other episodes about now with their name on iTunes, Audio Boom, Spotify, and Stitcher. SoundCloud 5 Mannequin, A-H-H-W-L-O-D. Feel free to email us any thoughts you might have had on this episode. Please let us know, because we talk about a lot of things and be curious at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, tell us we're right or we're wrong over at facebook.com slash outnowpodcast or tweet at us at twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. Or just send us some likes over at our Instagram page, instagram.com slash outnow underscore podcast. There you go. Uh, Michael Lee, thank you very much for joining us Michael, today. thank you so much. Thank you for having me. For sure. This is a lot of fun. I look forward to more adventures in the world of these remakes and seeing what we come up with them, let alone the representation of the film. Um, but until then, until next time, where we're actually, let's see, next week's show, next week we're talking I'm Thinking of Ending Things, the yeah. new Charlie Kaufman film, now available oh. on Netflix. Um, so yeah, stay tuned for that one. But until next time, so long. And goodbye. <laughs> 是另一个自己
不愿意。生活中掩饰真心敷衍了，爱我的人的眼睛。Stands on the right side of the phoenix. It guards the phoenix. I don't know what Zima says. But... Question, question, real quick here. Yes. <laughs> that okay. phoenix that she sees occasionally that serves as a video game GPS guide to where she needs yep. to go next, which I really enjoyed. Yep. It, yeah. Is is that a is it real? Were other people seeing this phoenix or was no, it just it's, her? It's only, no, it's only it's only for her. <laughs> okay. So only I was going to ask you guys she that saw, too. She saw the Greek phoenix. Let us remember this. Yeah, I was going to ask you guys that too because, like, you know. There's a lot of questions I have here. I kept wondering. It's like, well, this is a movie that has a shape-shifting witch, so I wouldn't put it past them that there's a phoenix that's actually in existence right now. Another question I have, too, about the movie. Okay, we'll get there, then. The way the changes in this movie. Yeah. Let's get down to business.